Hey, and welcome to the Badger Talks podcast, the podcast that shares interviews with experts from the University of Wisconsin-Madison community about their work, programs, and research, and what they're like as people too. I'm your host, Ben Rush. Listening to this podcast will also give you a sneak peek of an upcoming longer talk by each guest. Our guest today, Linda LaPay, will give a talk called Investing 101 on February 15th at noon central time virtually. A link to the virtual talk, as well as past and upcoming talks, is in the show notes. For now, let's dive into the interview with Linda LePay. Hi, Linda. Thanks for being on the Badger Talks podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm very excited for you to be here. As I, we were talking about beforehand, this is such an important topic. And I think of the essence for young people. Um like always, we want to just learn a little bit more about you. So what's your full name and the pronouns you use? My name is Linda LaPay. I use she and her. I am. I wear a couple of different hats. I'm the program director of, of the personal finance program in the School of Human Ecology. And I am also part of the teaching faculty. So I teach a lot of the undergrads and many of the topics that we'll probably be talking about here today. Wonderful. Yeah. Are there any identities you'd like to highlight about yourself before we dive into your topic? It's the dead of winter. <laughs> I feel like I don't have any identities at the <laughs> moment. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, school stuff and reading, you know, reading and Netflix and that type of stuff has been my my jam this winter in the when the weather gets warmer, it's more outdoor stuff. I'm with you. The grays do not lend themselves uh, much motivation. So you're teaching these financial classes. Can we just start off with the very basic question of why is it so important to invest, especially when people are young? I saw something on Twitter recently that I am actually using in class and someone had posted related to financial education saying, you know, the American school systems, what's wrong with them? I learned how to square dance, but I don't know anything about financial matters. And that cracked me up because that it's not baked in to K through 12. And so a lot of young adults, you know, enter uh, the post high school years and they're going, I don't know anything about this. They may have had it in school. They may not have had it in school. They're family upbringing. Some families talk about it. Some families don't talk about it. So what I find is that young people are ill-prepared, but it's not because of anything they didn't do. It's just that society hasn't geared them up you know, for, uh, for these types of topics. I wasn't geared up. I was, I tell my students, I was a hot mess in my 20s. I had trouble balancing my checkbook. I ran up credit card debt. I didn't keep track of my spending. I mean, everything you could do wrong, I pretty much nailed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. I did not learn much about financial management, especially investing uh, growing up. So my intro to it was through economics podcasts and economics books. And then maybe, you know, mid-20s started really looking at how can I actually invest? And then now, you know, kicking myself in the butt because like, I lost 10 plus years. <laughs> oh, I lost that same amount and I ran the numbers. And um, if you look at the saving I didn't do, 
the investing for my future that I didn't do in my 20s, it's somewhere between $150,000 and $200,000 that I will have lost out on by the time I hit retirement. Those are sobering numbers. And, and I think one of the things to appreciate and why it's good to start to dip your toes into investing is that little things now really turn into big things later. Um, and so we talk about the notion of compound growth. And before you all roll your eyes back and go, Ugh, you know, what is this? It's where your interest earns interest and the growth becomes exponential. So the line isn't going up gradually. The line is sloping fast. And the more decades that you're in, the faster the growth becomes. So here's a number to kind of give you an appreciation of compound growth. If you wanted to save a million dollars by the time you're 67 years old, if you're 20 years old, all you need to put aside is $33 a month. What seems like really tiny sums of money can, if done early enough, can add up to big things. And you know, I talk about my $150,000 to $200,000 I'm missing out on. Um, that's with a very moderate growth rate. And one of the things about investing it's one thing to put the money aside. The next thing is, what are you gonna do with it? You know, how are you gonna grow it for the future? And that's where we start talking about investments. I really appreciate you just saying, it doesn't have to be these massive amounts of money that people are putting away. It's little chunks here that really do add up because of that interest. And I think that was one of my barriers going into investing, thinking like, well, I was an undergrad, I was doing AmeriCorps, which does not earn a lot of money either. And now I'm a graduate student, which is also not famous for making a lot of money. But, it, you know, it's, you know, 50 bucks here and there. Um, and even the short amount of time that I've investing, I've, I've been able to see that growth. So I do really encourage everybody to check this out. And yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what you recommend for how to invest um, and where to go for it. So how to invest is is, you know, the big question. And. It all depends on how that person, well, first of all, what their time frame is. That's number one. How long is it till you think you're going to need the money? And number two is how do you feel about risk? So number one, if you want to take that money and have it available in a couple of years, you're unfortunately stuck with a savings account because if you invest in stocks or mutual funds or something like that in three years, five years, you could end up with less than what you started with. Because what we've seen while the, particularly the stock market trends up over time, it's a bumpy road. And uh, the longer you're in, the better you ride out those bumps. And so if you're in for a short time frame and you need that money for a short time frame, it may work out or it may not work out. Number two, how do you feel about risk? If that bumpiness makes you queasy, then maybe how you're investing should be looked at too more closely because there's different what you can do um, more aggressive or less aggressive types of investing. Taking on more risk means different things to different people. Well, I think you've, you've mentioned a few good key investing term types. So in general, I would just casually define an investment as something where you're putting in money to hopefully see some, some sort of return. People have probably heard of terms like stock, bonds, IRA. Can you maybe parse out some of this stuff? 
Yeah, let's let's get to the lingo here. Um, so a stock, if you own a stock, let's say you own Apple stock, you are a part owner of that company, which means that you get to take part in the success of the company, or if the company hits hard times, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna feel the downside of it. And as an owner, um, the health of the company is largely reflected in the price of the stock. And so people own stocks like Apple because you get in and the idea is you wanna see that price go up over time, which is called appreciation. So you've got an ownership stake in the company. With bonds, it's an investment where you're actually giving Monday money, you're a lender. And a good way to think about it is, let's use Coca-Cola. Let's say Coca-Cola wants to uh, get some money in to build some plants overseas. And so they're gonna issue these 10-year bonds and these 10-year bonds are gonna earn 5% a year. So you buy $1,000 of that. What you did is you've lent Coke $1,000 for 10 years and you're going to get 5% interest and it's that interest comes twice a year and it's all predictable and at the end of that 10 years you get your $1000 back. That's basically how a bond operates. So it's kind of the flip side of a stock. You're not an owner here, you're a lender, but there are certain there's more certainties with bonds because of that interest rate and because that bond will eventually terminate. And those oftentimes are maybe in association with governments too, which are seen as more sound investments, you know, states and cities are going to be around probably a longer time than a startup that maybe is just in existence for six months. So the U.S. government issues bonds, we call them treasuries, and they're considered one of the safest investment categories in the world. And for all of that safety, you get a really low interest rate on it because it's so safe. So the safer the investment is, the less growth you have. With um, companies like Coca-Cola or talking about corporate bonds, those are considered a bit more risky because it has been known where companies have gone out of business. Um, and so for taking on more risk, you're getting a better interest rate for that. Now, moving on to the next step. So you have stocks and bonds and you can own them individually, but what, most Americans tend to do is own their investments in some type of funds, whether it's a mutual fund or something called an ETF, which is an exchange traded fund. And this way you get to own a basket or a bunch of stocks or a bunch of bonds or a bunch of stocks and bonds all at once. And what you own is a piece of that portfolio. For people who don't wanna be stock pickers, for people that want to own a bunch of different investments and have that diversification, that's why funds are so popular. And um, there are thousands of mutual funds and thousands of these exchange traded funds. So mutual funds are, uh, they come in two categories, but mutual funds are, there's a portfolio manager making the selection of what's going to go inside that fund. And then maybe the fund is focused on healthcare. And so all of the stocks in that fund have something to do with healthcare. So you're getting nice diversification within healthcare, but you're not getting diversification outside of that. Um, but maybe if that's something I want to focus on for my investment, I can, 
and the nice thing with mutual funds is that you can start with lower dollar amounts, 50 or $100 to get started. Um, and you can own a mutual fund. And then underneath all that, you own the performance of all of those healthcare stocks, if that's the type of mutual fund you have. There are also mutual funds that will invest in stocks and bonds, maybe a combination. So if you're more of a nervous investor, um, you've got the stocks for growth, and then the bonds, which are more predictable, are gonna hold up better when the economy is in rough shape or when stocks go down. And these exchange-traded funds that I keep talking about, they are the passive management world. You can trade them like stocks, which means that you could see the price at any given time because you know exactly what the investments are from day to day. Um, and so it trades like a stock, but it's actually a fund. One isn't necessarily better than the other, but the interest in for people particularly new to investing has probably been more toward the passive funds. The, the funds that don't change much, they follow an index, you kind of know, you kind of know what you're getting. And the thing is, you don't have to own just one, you can own a bunch of them to kind of round out uh, the type of investing that you want to do. Right. And as a graduate student, I'm I'm going for those cheap options. So the passive ones without those fees are often helpful for me. Yeah. And then one of the last things I wanted to ask you, too, is where can people go to start setting up investment accounts? Oh, that's a great question. There's so many different places that that you can go. Some of the big online um, places to go are like Charles Schwab, E-Trade. Those are a couple that come to mind. You can set up an account with them. Um, you do have to have money put into your account and you can do that all online. They'll take money out of your checking or savings account and fund the account. And then you can start you know, purchasing your investments. There are also apps like Robinhood and Acorns. And is one better than the other? It's probably all gonna be somewhat similar in the end. Um, it's just a matter of getting started. Find something that you feel comfortable with. Are there resources that you direct people to to learn a little bit more? I, For me, the book, The Index Card, was really helpful. Just kind of 10 simple investing rules. But there's lots out there. Websites that I like are Investopedia is fantastic. If you hear terminology and you go, what does that mean? They do a really good job of writing it in plain English, easy to understand English. Sometimes they have videos embedded or graphics. That's a great website. NerdWallet uh, is another good, uh, good site. And a website called Morningstar.com. They actually do investment research that a lot of financial planners use. Um, but they also have a consumer facing website and they have really good educational information. I really appreciate you just explaining all this and going through it in really nice, easy language. And we have not touched on everything there is to investment. So I got to encourage listeners to go check out your Badger Talks live event. I, I mean, I feel lucky that I've got to have this conversation because I can take all the information that you gave and then apply it to my fund. Good. So. Yes, you you may have helped me earn an extra $100,000 something down the line. See, don't make my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to the Badger Talks podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And if you want to catch more of Linda and learn more investment tips, check out her talk on February 15th at noon central time. The websites Linda mentioned are in the show notes of this podcast episode. 
The link to her upcoming Badger Talk and talks by other University of Wisconsin-Madison experts is in the show notes. Until next time, be well. Badger Talks podcast is a creation by the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Deep with Native Media. Music composed by Bill Purdy and played by the University of Wisconsin-Madison Marching Band. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by Deep with Native Media.